This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Tom Kang, CEO of Converge. Tom, I know it's very early for you, uh, so thank you so much for joining us um, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Alex. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. So, um, um, look, we're going to talk all things cyber here. Um, but before we dive into that, it, it'd be really good if you could just um, introduce yourself and, and obviously introduce the Converge business as well. Sure, absolutely. Thank you, Alex, again for having me. Uh, as you mentioned, I am the CEO at Converge. Uh, we've been in the market for the last couple of months, uh, really focused on the SMB business and also uh, Converge Connect, which is our partnership business. My background is really large carrier. I've had leadership positions, uh, I'd say almost across the entire uh, cyber insurance um, uh, marketplace uh, from a claims perspective, product perspective, um, underwriting perspective, and during my uh, tenures at uh, large carriers the, reviewing the cyber insurance business, we I really saw an opportunity to, I think, do something a little differently uh, in the cyber insurance space across the first wave of the insured tech MGAs and also you know where we can support carriers, large carriers, to really make uh, headway in, uh, in cyber insurance across risk, across risk selection, pricing, claims uh, across the board. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, thank you for that overview. Um, I forgot about that actually, and and you've you've piqued my. I told you this before. I'm a claims nerd. We talk about this all the time. But um, you you started out as an attorney, and then claims, and then then product, and then into underwriting. Um, I'm going off topic immediately, uh, so we'll probably get into trouble. But but I I just want to know. This is a broader question than than just talking about cyber. But what do you think that brings to the table when someone goes through that sort of you know attorney and claims? piece first before becoming an underwriter because the kind of the sort of nasty in-house joke is that if you were if you've ever worked in claims you wouldn't underwrite anything so what do you think it means and adds to you when you become an underwriter through that journey you know i, I think there's a uh, i think there's a grain of truth uh, in that i yeah. think when you've seen sort of the worst case scenarios and the largest risks um, and all the ways that, you know, things can uh, possibly go wrong. I think it does give you uh, a little bit of pause and probably uh, a healthy pause in how you think about risk and how you think about the information that you actually need to underwrite effectively. So I think I've been uh, really uh, blessed uh, as part of that journey because I've worked with tremendous folks across the planes, but also with product actuarial and underwriters that have a very rounded view uh, about risk. So 
for example, you know, when uh, 15 years ago, it was really about lost laptops, right? And how um, you know, companies were losing their laptops and losing sensitive information through their hard devices. Well, you have to think through, well, how do you, how do you help insurers get better in managing that risk? Um, and ultimately, how do you underwrite to that risk to minimize the impact of that particular areas of exposure? And I think I've seen throughout my journey just how effective insurance carriers can be in providing advice, providing services, providing um, you know, proactive approaches to managing risk to insurers that can ultimately be a, be a benefit for the insurer, but also, you know, help your bottom line underwriting process. Because mm-hmm. I've always thought about claims is, you know, we can write wordings and, and we can we can think about things and, and but claims is really, is actually how your insurers are actually interacting with the policy. How actually that's that's the kind of real world of how these things are happening. So it's it, it particularly fascinating. Then you, you then go in a product, and um, it's almost like if we had a blueprint of a insurance entrepreneur, I think you've I think you've been on that journey really, because <laughs> uh, you know see claims, see where it goes wrong. Product about creating product and then underwriting is you know let's say the front line in terms of kind of business generation. It's it's the kind of kind of perfect combination of getting to where you are now. Um, I, 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 I won't ask you to answer to that because that's me just complimenting you and this. It's <laughs> a, a bit awkward for you to do so. So um, I wanted to ask you about the, the way that you're approaching um, things at Converge because I think it's an interesting trend that we're seeing. You know, we've entered, entered this world of kind of like risk prevention, risk reduction. Um, and we've seen this across insurance. Cyber particularly, we've seen a lot of kind of moves towards that. Um, health is, is obviously on a kind of individual basis. We've seen a lot of that as well, kind of encouraging people to go to the gym, et cetera. Um, but it's helping insurers lower their risk rather than paying claims. What what you thought this meant for the broader insurance world? Because it's almost like a change of culture to look at it from that perspective. Mm. Well, I think that's absolutely right. And uh, frankly, I think that's, um, you know, the future uh, of insurance for most lines of business. Um, mm. You know, I think for cyber, as I've mentioned, I've been working on, risk mitigation, risk control services for over the yeah, past 15 years. Um, I mean, I think, you know, not more broadly across cyber, I think sometimes the proactive services can be a simple value add, almost a, a marketing uh, approach, um, you know, related to the insurance services. And and frankly, in cyber, there were um, you know, really low take-up rates from insureds um, many years ago. Now, I think with a much more significant increase in the threat landscape and you know, I think the increasing recognition that cyber attacks can have a, a material and tremendous impact for businesses, I think it's becoming, you know, just a much more critical part of the insurance equation. Now, I, I think the good news is that the the tools we have now and, and the tools that we're delivering are getting smarter, right? So we have more data about the exposures. We have more data about the cyber-related losses and, and have more ways to deliver solutions, I think, to our clients um, in a more efficient and, and sort of low-friction low uh, manner. So, uh, you know, we can pinpoint vulnerabilities, for example, with scans and offer low cost solutions to fix those vulnerabilities. So I think we can also, you know, provide the right insurance incentives for companies to, uh, you know, proactively address those vulnerabilities. So I think that's been really a leap forward, uh, certainly in the cyberspace in, in trying to help companies manage their cyber cyber risk. Now, I think across the board, and if we take a step back, I think this will continue to create you know, tremendous value for all parties involved, whether that's the insurers or the carriers. Um, you know, I think it'll ultimately, uh, you know, grow the the premium pool, premium pool uh, significantly. And ultimately, I think, uh, you know, these will result, the risk control services will result um, in a positive impact for, for the sector generally. 
I think the friction point was 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 an interesting one for me to reflect on. You know, SME business owner, um, you know, want to want to be protected for cyber, but but previously, they were very kind of they weren't consumer friendly. They they weren't they weren't user friendly, and and you know, I, I remember having early kind of calls where basically stopped everything happening. So and 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 there was lots of, you know, it's the classic thing of of you want these tools to be embedded in your processes you want them to work in the background you don't really want to have to think about it because otherwise insurance and risk prevention becomes a thing that you have to build in to your day job and you, and you don't is it do you think it's fair to say people don't really it's a classic thing of insurance we don't want to think about the risk oh so. I, I think that's absolutely true and i think that's I mean, you just mentioned the small business uh, sector, and I think it's especially true for the small business owner, right? They they want to do their work. They want to run their business, not worry about risk and certainly uh, a specialized risk like cyber. Um, so I think that's absolutely true. And and quite frankly, the uh, the friction point has been a major challenge, I think, for most uh, for the industry as a whole uh, in trying to deliver some of these services. From my perspective, the only way to overcome that is to just embed the insurance into the day to day of the small business owner. So if the small business has a material need for various reasons, maybe because they're highly regulated, maybe because they're clients are um, demanding and, and requiring cyber insurance through their contracts, or maybe they recognize uh, you know, the, the potential impact of cyber uh, on their business. And so if they are out there looking for solutions, um, you know, whether that's the cybersecurity side or cyber insurance side uh, to improve their cyber risk profile, then we want to be uh, a partner in that, right? So we want to help them uh, where they have identified needs for their business. So for example, um, you know, we're partnering with a lot of uh, MSSPs, um, security providers that are focused into the small space. So they're able to deliver a, you know, easy button way to approach cybersecurity. And if the small business owner is interested in those type of services, we want to bring insurance to augment and to provide a better solution for their risk. And so we want to be where the small business owners are. We want to sort of add value and enhance their experience um, wherever they see the need versus I think in the marketplace, we've, uh, Certainly the cyber insurance space, I think sometimes we've gone the, the the wrong way, the opposite way, where we say, do this and you get better better premiums or better uh, insurance solutions. Uh, you know, we want to sort of flip that on its head and say, we're here for you. And if you have identified the need and you have a need, then we want to come in and enhance that experience for you. Mm, yeah, it's working within those existing processes, isn't it? Rather than sort of implementing a kind of this is your top down, you must follow these processes. Because we saw we saw that in a way, I always think the reflection of this is um, telematics. So if mm. you think about telematics when it first came aboard, you had to let your insurer install this black box yeah. in your car. And everyone was like, absolutely not. <laughs> but now we're perfectly happy for them to use our phone and track us because it's just part of our life. We don't have to have, we don't have to go outside of our regular day-to-day to make that happen. I think that's right. And I, I you know, I think um, in the cyber insurance side, we've had a lot of I mean, sort of the telematics idea where we want to, you know, uh, sort of implement or install a box on someone's network and, and, and manage or monitor their network traffic. And that was exactly the same response. There's no way you're installing a box on my network. And I think that that's a, an example of um, sort of where we've um, uh, tried different things and have found it to be less effective. Um, and we really want to come in where, you know, the, um, you know, their, their business uh, insurance becomes really a invisible part of their business. Mm. 
it does make me laugh though there's a certain paranoia particularly around um yeah being online and it's just funny how there's certain touch points that people are really sensitive about like i will not let you have a black box inside my network um you know certain web websites were absolutely adamant that they will not know where we are but then we we desperately want google to know where we are just so we can find our way around the streets of the latest town we're in so um but it's yeah. funny because i think so much of this plays into it's the psychology of the consumer and the psychology of an sme business is probably it's mostly closer to a a personal line product at a certain level and then obviously there's a broad church of what an smb you know small business is you know as you get more sophisticated but um the psychology of of approaching cyber is really interesting because I, I, I don't know this but i'm assuming it's still the kind of biggest point of failure on a lot of things is the human being interaction i'd imagine oh i i think that's right i mean I, it, there's a lot of focus on um, you know, the network vulnerabilities and what you could see from a technology perspective. But when you dig into the claims and sort of the loss history, it's always the person, right? It's always the, the employee, it's the executive, um, it's the vendor. Um, and there's a huge human element into a lot of these breaches. Um, and so, for example, I think, uh, you know, one of the growing trends that we've seen in our space is really through um, um, uh, sort of fraudulent trans uh, transfers. Um, right. Right. And so, you know, those are really human interactions where a human gets an email from a vendor says or an employee says, and I actually got this myself a couple of days ago uh, from an employee or a fake employee where they said, hey, I want to change my banking information um, for my uh, payroll uh, for the payroll um, before the next payroll hits. Um, well, in that moment, as a CEO, I'm busy with a lot of things. I see an email from an employee saying they want to change your banking information. My sort of initial reaction, even though I'm in the cyberspace, was, okay, well, you need to go here and change their information, right? And then I dug in a little, I paused, I looked, I you know dug a little deeper and realized that was a, that was a phishing email. Um, and so even from, from a cybersecurity perspective, you know, folks that are in the cyberspace, uh, I think in the busiest moments of the day, it's really easy to click that button and follow the link and, and provide the information. And that's where I think a lot of the training and the information and the education can help and actually has helped over the last 10 years in, in educating both employees, employers, and just people in uh, more generally around the, around the risk that they face with cyber. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's uh yeah, I, I've had loads of those emails and, and 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 I'm always hovering on the button of responding and and yeah, it's just a I think if I had a big just I need a post-it just <laughs> pause before responding, uh, which is good <laughs> advice generally because uh, you know if an email upsets me, I probably need that button as well. But um, <laughs> we've, um, we all need the pause button for sure. Yeah, we do. We do all need the pause button. Um, I. I think what's interesting is that you've got this blend of kind of technology and insurance in your business. And and I was going to ask you how you thought this changed or potentially challenged the role of the underwriter as we go forward. You know, I, I think uh, there's been a lot of conversation and a lot of thought around um, AI or machine learning, uh, potentially this intermediating brokers or underwriters. You know, I think from uh, my perspective, you know, the technologies and the tools are really there to make the underwriters smarter uh, and more efficient. Um, and so through our tools, you know, we're presenting relevant data when the underwriter actually needs it in the transactional process, right? So they spend less time 
collecting information around revenue, industry class, all and you know losses, et cetera. They're spending less time documenting and filing, and much more time you know analyzing the information that they get, um, you know, so that they can make risk decisions, pricing decisions, you know, while appropriately managing relationships. Um, I mean, we're still a relationship business. So when we think about the the art of underwriting, there is still a lot of art left in cyber underwriting. And so we want to bring the technology and the data in a smart way at the right times uh, in the transaction so that it frees them up to spend more time servicing brokers, servicing clients, and, and you know, making smart risk, uh, risk decisions. So to me, the best technology you know, allows underwriters to do their job better uh, and more efficiently. Uh, rather than you know, really thinking about replacing or disintermediating uh, the process, mm. it's um, it's been a conversation that's been going on for a while, and I, and I, and I think it's um, I think it's a fascinating one. Um, I, but I reflect on you know what we do for a living, and um, you know we're a research firm, we specialise in insure tech, and we're continually told that we're going to be replaced, and and it's the same thing is that. There is no doubt that there's an AI tool out there that can go, right, what's the job spec? Who are the best people for the role? Identify. There's a brilliant tool that we're trialing at the moment that we can interview people and it will give you sentiment analysis alongside it, which will decide, it'll tell you what persons, what they're interested in about the role and what they're not, which is which is really interesting. So you can kind of sell the role better. Um, but it's the same as underwriting. It's like there's some there's an underlying nuance that is required to kind of make that process happen. But then also I reflect on, you know, same with underwriting is, is that at some point you want a human in that loop. There is a, there is a level of trust that is required in the insurance industry. You know, I, I need to trust my insurer. And I, and I, I just don't think we're there yet on a, as a society to sort of go right, fully automated, no humans involved, I think there'll be some skepticism around that as an underwriting proposition. Oh, I think that's right. Um, and as we have been in the market speaking with our brokers, I think that's um, what they're still craving for, right? They want to be able to pick up the phone, talk to an underwriter. Hey, I have this really thorny coverage issue. How do you, you know, how does your product respond to that? I think they want that level of comfort that their underwriters have their best interests at mind, that their products are going to fit uh, their clients' needs. And you can't get that, um, you know, through a portal, right? You can't get that through just data alone. You, They want that human touch where they can, you know, call somebody and, and get that uh, reassurance, uh, especially in a complex area like cyber risk and cyber insurance, where there are just, it's information overload, right? It's, it's not just about how much information can an AI model consume and spit out the best outcomes it's really about that interaction uh, with the underwriter to give them that comfort that their client is getting the best solution that they can find in the marketplace mm, yeah it's um yeah there's so many services like now that there, there is no way to speak to a human being and, and and you think it's so frustrating because it's fine when it's when it works it, it's when it falls out and there's a problem or there's a unique uh, anomaly there um it's that ability to pick up the phone i think it's still important so I always think it's heartening to to see that you know insurance is evolving. Better tools and businesses are coming on online, like like you know, like your own, and it's still in, heavily invested in the people. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about people as well because you know someone that's been in the cyberspace as long as you've had. Yeah, you know, my role in, in the talent industry, I think we've been slow in attracting like sector specific mm -hmm. educations to our team. So like you know. 
Um, I mean, I don't know if you would agree with that, but for example, it took a long time to see cybersecurity ex experts working in the insurance industry, longer than I thought it should have done. I don't know about, I don't know if you thought the same, but that was something that I have always observed and thought. Well, I, I can't argue with you that uh, it's been uh, maybe a slower process than we all hope for, but I, I'd also say that's uh, that's insurance uh, in in some ways. Um, uh -huh. I think there's been a you know tremendous amount of effort to bring sector specific education to underwriters over the years, though. I, you know, I think there's been more collaboration generally uh, across information security teams and cyber underwriting teams than uh, I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah. You know, we've also created new positions uh, within risk control, within risk engineering, specific to cyber. Um, you know, we've created new new positions, uh, new centers of excellence to bring, uh, you know, that sector specific knowledge together with the insurance functional area. So I think there's been a lot of progress, um, you know, and in encouragement and investment um, in underwriters getting smarter about both security and privacy. So I think there's been there's been a lot of progress, but uh, to your point, I, I think there has been a lot of challenge, right, in in the talent space, both across cybersecurity and cyber insurance. Now, I think we've been blessed in finding sort of our director of cyber that has a tremendous background in security, incident response, and also in working with underwriters. But you know, that's generally a fairly difficult proposition to find. So, I mean, I, I would love your you know sort of expert opinion on this too. Um, Alex, but you know, it's. I think to me, the biggest one of the biggest hurdles has been uh, just, you know, finding the right talent to um, across cybersecurity and, and insurance to bring someone with that type of domain expertise into the space. I think there's just continues to be a lot of movement in talent uh, in both sectors. I think there's still a um, shortage of talent uh, in both sectors, unfortunately, and I think that's been part of the barrier. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been a hotbed within insurance in terms of, you know, you, you, you could have made a lot of money just specialising cyber insurance recruitment for, for, for quite a long time now. Um, I do think you're right, though. And, and I actually think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a shining star within the insurance industry because it's a new, relatively new class of business. Um, you know, because it's a sort of certainly in insurance terms, it's relatively new risk. There's been a lot more effort to understand it. So that's meant proactive attraction of cybersecurity, cyber risk individuals to come into insurance, creation of new roles. And I look on that and I think about other sectors which are kind of very tech heavy. I'm thinking of, you know, think of things like engineering. Um, I think aviation's done it for quite a long time. There's quite, always been quite a lot of aviators. Marine is always traditionally, but there's lots of classes where I'm surprised that you look at these sort of senior underwriting figures and you went, no one's ever worked in these fields. And that's not to say that you need to because you're looking at it from an insurance perspective and it's not the same as necessarily being being within it um but it's a really interesting challenge because as the risk evolves and particularly cyber because it's so constantly evolving i think those the makeup of insurance teams within cyber just have to look different they have to have different skill sets in them but of, the obvious challenge is is you're then competing on roles which are not even in the insurance sector so benchmarking them is very hard um it's very expensive to attract cybersecurity individuals full stop so that's a challenge uh, absolutely right and i think you're also looking for uh cybersecurity professional uh pro professionals with the uh, the soft skills as well right yeah. 
Can yeah, they yeah, speak yeah. with brokers? Can they talk to other underwriters? Can they, you know, have a conversation with actuaries in a way that makes sense and claims folks? So, you know, I think the certainly the hard technical skills um, are hard to find. Um, but also, I think when you add the layer of the softer skills that are necessary to be a successful underwriter, um, I think that sort of adds to a layer of uh, layer of difficulty there. But I do think, and you know, because for those reasons, I think. You know, we've tried to do a more homegrown approach, uh, finding you know recent graduates to come into various areas of the the insurance company, whether again, as I mentioned, as a, whether that's claims or risk control and risk engineering centers of excellence or underwriting. You know, we want to really do a uh, more of a homegrown approach. I think to me uh, in 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 managing our talent and managing our talent pipeline. Um, so we have to get to the. And this may sound. This is my personal view. Um, I think it may sound a little crazy, but uh, we have to start really young. Whether it's middle school, high school, and certainly at university levels, teaching folks about and educating folks about what insurance is and what cyber insurance is, and getting them interested in the cyberspace, even if you know cyber insurance is not something they have ever thought about. Um, you know, bring that uh, that uh, sort of opportunity to their attention. Um, and, and starting early, I think, is one of the keys to building out the talent pipeline over the over the um, you know certainly over the de next decade. I, I think you're right. I mean, I don't think I don't think it is crazy because I, I always think about um, when you're younger, and you know, if you speak to people that work in insurance, they usually there's a there's a parent or there's a family member that worked in insurance, which is why they're awareness. I mean, the the, the role of the actor is the one I always think of. You know, I, I at school I was very on very pretty good and then the math side of things never occurred to me to be an actor didn't know what one was you know it wasn't until I was working in I was actually working as a headhunter by the time I even knew what a headhunter uh, uh, sorry uh, where an actor was um so you know it, it, it is an education piece and and then if we're talking to people in cyber or, or who are doing you know let's say engineering or something like that which would be relevant to the space have they thought about that as a field? Do they have soft skills? And, you know, as much as it's kind of going to be, I'm sure the the flow of talent from that might not be as smooth. It, it may be, you know, and it, and, it, and, it, and particularly because insurance is a much bigger industry than people think. I mean, we have this with my team. I bring people in and, you know, I can't remember the, where it fits, but I think if insurance was a, if it was the, if it was the gross national product of a country, it would be, it's certainly in the top five. I think it's in the top three. Um, yeah. And it blows people away when they're graduates. They have no idea the scale of it. I mean, why would you? <laughs> no, absolutely. And, you know, I think when you just say insurance becomes a, a challenging conversation, <laughs> let's be honest, yeah. with the younger yeah. folks. Um, but I think as you get into the details of the opportunities that are available, I think their eyes start to light up. Um, so I, I've been, um, you know, and Converge has been sponsoring and supporting um, cyber insurance conversations with university uh, students. Um, and, you know, I think part of the way that we've been able to make headway uh, in these conversations is not just starting with insurance and trying to explain what insurance is, right, but all the the, the plethora of, of opportunities within the insurance sector. So, you know, if whether you are an engineer, uh, an actuary, as you mentioned, whether you're in sales, uh, whether you're in finance, there's an opportunity for them in the insurance sector. Right. And I think once they get in, there's you know a lot of opportunities for them to not only build their career and build their business, but also add a lot of value to the industry, which, again, uh, from a cyber insurance pr perspective, it is absolutely critical, um, certainly over the next 10 years. Yeah, I completely agree. 
Um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, the cyber is kind of a heavily populated field, particularly uh, an investment in insurtechs, and, and there's been lots of kind of variations on it. So, you know, I wanted to, and uh, this is me toss, tossing the ball very, very gently to you to knock out <laughs> the park here, but, you know, I, I, I do want to know what, what has converged you particularly differently? What's what's unique in your approach? And um, because, you know, obviously the investment markets agree with you because in a tr tricky climate, you, you obviously raised a pretty sizable Series A earlier this year. So uh, congrats on that. But um, yeah, what 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 do the investors see that's kind of unique about your proposition? Well, thank you very much for that. I think it really is a testament to a, a lot of the hard work that the team has put in um, and the uh, ultimately the outcomes that we've been able to achieve. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, we are we are a bottom line focused insurance first uh, MGA. And believe it or not, I think that's been a, a strong differentiator for us uh, in the marketplace. Uh, so we're bringing together certainly the data the technology, the efficiency, and the cybersecurity, but with a focus on, on you know, bottom line underwriting, and with a focus on insurance, um, you know, know-how and insurance relationships. Um, and so, specifically, you know, it means that we have a very unique underwriting approach, right? We're not just focused on initial access and how did uh, bad actors get in that we can identify with scans, but we're also tracking probability and severity of every action uh, that an attacker you know may take within a network that leads to an insured loss or leads to some sort of business impact so you know with our modeling we can you know pinpoint where the bad actors are focused we can identify the vulnerabilities most often exploited uh, by any particular group and then ultimately where companies should invest in cybersecurity to minimize uh, business impact so I think it's it's really the underwriting focus that we have differentiates us from some of the other folks that are out there. Uh, I'd say the second differentiator uh, is is our data. You know, we're not just focused on, as I mentioned, just the outside and scans and information from an insurance application, but we're also leveraging what we're calling inside out data, right? From our security partners to map across the underwriting and the uh, and the claims data framework. So you know we've invested heavily into our underwriting platform, our scoring, our pricing, our claims platforms, I think in a way that I haven't seen uh, in the industry. Now, you know, this not only makes the underwriting process more efficient, but also, you know, really reduces the feedback loop, the time for the feedback loop from, you know, loss, loss activity and and uh, to underwriting decisions. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think from an underwriting approach, it's very different, but we want to turn all of that around and provide value to our brokers to our insureds. So we do that by you know, making it certainly easy and more affordable for our customers. But also, as we discussed previously, that allows us to really pinpoint where the investments ought to be made to get the biggest bang for your buck. And you know, when a small business decides they want to invest in, invest in cybersecurity, we can give them insights into where they should uh, make those investments. Mm. What's, um, I wanted to ask you about the SMB stuff and, uh, mm. you know, what's, What's unique about the challenges that SMBs face when it comes to cyber risk? Because it's very it's very different to a to a to a, you know large corporate entity. Oh, I I would say you know managing cyber risk is hard, even for uh, large companies, even the biggest companies. I think it's really hard. But uh, you know, to your point though, it it is especially challenging. I think for small and mid sized businesses, um, you know, we know, and I, I've seen more than sixty percent of SMBs. Uh, our targets for cyber attacks, right? And many of them go out of business, quite frankly, after after a cyber attack. So, you know, it's not a fair fight. I, I don't think it's been a fair fight uh, for small business owners versus some of these cyber attackers. 
uh, as we've talked about, they have you know limited resources and they want to spend time running their business, not worrying about cyber risk. So I think there is a you know real demand for you know meaningful and affordable uh, cyber solutions, right? Especially in the in the SMB space. And so I think uh, you know in order to deliver and again meet the customer where they are, to put the customer first, I think the insurance carrier. Right, not only needs to understand the exposure and understand the risk, but they need to be able to deliver solutions in a, again, in an efficient way, in an affordable way, affordable way that really embeds itself into the cyber, uh, the small business owners, you know, day to day life. Um, so we're, you know, really focused on, you know, lowering that barrier uh, for small business owners to access security pro- products, to access cyber insurance uh, products, you know, through our partnership programs, and just making it easier. I mean, I, I think that's always the key. You have to make it easier, make it more affordable uh, to get them the uh, the needed coverage. Uh, and, and just to just to clarify on your distribution model, um, brokers and and partner relationships is is that, is that that's the route, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, it's open broker. So it, to me, it's again make it easy, make it flexible, make it easy for anyone and everyone to access our products uh, in 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 the way that they want to interact with the with their insurance programs, and so. Certainly, if you have a broker and you want to come to us through your brokers, we can do that. Um, absolutely, it's open brokerage. Um, but if you have a cybersecurity vendor and you're already doing a lot of work in managing your cyber risk through a vendor, we can work with that vendor, get the data that we need from that vendor and offer um, you know, better-than-market insurance solutions. So we like I said, we want to meet the small business owner wherever they are um, in their process and, and trying to manage their cyber risk. Mm. I need you out of the word. My accountants, uh, Tom, they're trying to get me to change the way I do things. Um, <laughs> the, um, um, I'm really conscious of time, but but I, I thought this was an interesting point. that um, I, I always hate this. I'm, I'm trying to reference another podcast we did, but um, I can't remember. But I was having a really good conversation with someone about competition and the and actually the importance of competition. Because something you mentioned there was about yeah, people have gone out of business through cyber attacks. SMBs have gone out of business through cyber attacks. I don't think enough people know that. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I think is positive about people competing in the cyberspace is you're all sharing the burden of educating the consumer. Do you agree? Is it, is, it's quite a positive time to be in cyber because there's quite a lot of people there and you're, sort of, you're sharing that burden? Or is that just my madcap theory? <laughs> No, I, I I think that's right. Um, you know, I think education has certainly in any new line of business, as you mentioned, cyber is a relatively young line of business. Um, and so I think anytime you're introducing new solutions, new products um, to address, quite frankly, a very new exposure, um, there, there needs to be a lot of education. And so I think there's been a lot of um, effort and a lot of progress made across the industry uh, in trying to educate not just the, the insured and, and the brokers, but also uh, underwriters, as we mentioned. Um, and so I think that's right. I Absolutely, competition helps in bringing education uh, sort of more fully uh, into the space. But I think at this stage of where the market is, it's almost information overload. Right. I mean, I think most companies, it's, the problem isn't the lack of access or lack of information out there. I think the challenge is that there's just too much information out there uh, in some regards. And, and most companies, certainly small companies, are struggling to figure out what their real exposures are. Um, again, where, where to really invest their limited resources. When you just Google cybersecurity and you end up with a thousand vendors that can provide 
you know, uh, services that you think you need. Well, how do you pick the best one? How do you know which one, uh, where to invest? How do you know, you know, where um, you're going to get the best bang for your buck? You know, how do you know which vendor, which insurance carrier is going to actually meet the needs that you have? Um, and so I think that's the education that we're bringing to the to our customers. It's not just about providing resources and best practices and and the the information out there about cyber risk and our and, and our policies, but it's making it easier for uh, companies to identify uh, you know the best solutions, right? Out of all the options that they have, how do I know which is the best? And I think that's where a lot of the modeling and the data um, and the education is really focused, and where we're focused, um, you know, to help our uh, customers make the best decision possible. Mm. Yeah, I. I... You know, I've made a very flippant joke about accounting, Zitsi, but it's it's always the thing that I come back to in that, you know, if you ask me to find you a CFO for an insurance company, sure. You ask me to find you a good good accountant for a, a, a recruitment search practice, I don't actually know what one of those looks like. So if yeah. I go and Google it, there are hundreds of accountants and there's hundreds of accountancy software, but I don't know what's the best one for me. And, and I, I think cyber is a, is a more complicated version of the same problem in that, you're a business owner, you specialize in my place, you know, talent and search and, but, but I'm not a cyber specialist. So knowing which tools are right for me and, 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 you know, and that, and, and again, I think that leads into kind of that broker distribution model. And, you know, we're not, SMBs particularly aren't particularly broker friendly. I, I would say in the UK, I think it's slightly different in the US in that, and we underplay how important that is, but kind of getting that expert advice that can kind of steer you is, is, is hugely beneficial. And, um, yeah, we certainly don't appreciate it quite as much on the SMB sector in the UK. I don't, I don't know if it's the same in the US. I think that's similar. And, um, you know, I think that's where the human element does come into play. Um, yes, I, again, we can present the, the information, we can present the, the data, but I think just being able to see somebody or talk to somebody, uh, I know this sounds uh, really passe maybe at this point, but picking up the phone right, and yeah. dialing, having yeah. a conversation I think when you are dealing with a complex areas of risk, that that still has, I think, a tremendous amount of value. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Tom, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I, I really enjoyed that conversation, and, and I knew it was going to. And it's always, yeah, it's close to my heart. One because you know you started like all the good people do in the in the claim sector, <laughs> and, and but more importantly, I think I think that SMB sector and and kind of picking apart the different profile of that 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 customer and what they need is 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 so important so um and and more than anything else it's great to see you know you've started an mga and we, we can lump you into insure tech but you know what you're saying is that really it's come to good underwriting principles and good data and and that's you know that's good insurance as far as we're concerned so thank you very much for being a guest on the podcast really appreciate it thank you alex uh, it's been great speaking with you 